Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Jitsu Podcast. This is Vince Pakleb, your host. This is the podcast where we talk all things business and all things jujitsu. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Biz Jitsu Podcast, where we talk all things business and all things jujitsu. On today's episode, we have Dr. Michael Mitri, uh, the owner of Good Vibes PT and Fitness, and also the uh, strength and conditioning coach for 10th Planet Oceanside. So excited to have you on uh, uh, on this week's episode. Dr. Michael, welcome. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Uh, or I'm like super grateful for the opportunity and um, happy that you guys even run this podcast, honestly, like networking in the jujitsu community. That's, that's awesome. It's a sick community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, listen, um, a couple of quick things. We got a lot to, uh, lot to dive into. Um, I really had a, a good time just us chatting here prior before us to, uh, to record, uh, but just to give um, our audience some context. Uh, so you've been training jujitsu since 2015. Mm -hmm. 2015. Yep. Nice. So why don't we start there? I mean, we, we'll talk about the uh, the business and all the great work that you're doing over at uh, 10 Planet Oceanside uh, here in a second. But let's talk about your jiu-jitsu journey. So you started, uh, where did you start training when you started? Yeah, so I actually picked up jiu-jitsu. Um, I was playing for like a men's rugby league in New York, and I couldn't make practice times anymore. So uh, I was like, I got to do something. So uh, I joined a local jiu-jitsu school, uh, Henzo Gracie, but in Queens uh, under Magno Gama. So shout out if he's out there. Um, yeah, so I was training there basically until I moved out to San Diego. So I was at a gi Bay school just training no gi. Uh, so I was t-shirt guy for like a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw it. That's awesome. So you were at uh, Henzo's in Queens. You were there for, there for a couple of years. When when you were there, um, did you do any cross training with a lot of the um, other Hanzo academies? I mean, that's a big. He has a very big footprint. Up. Not yeah, not too much. Uh, they'd come in sometimes. I think Danaher did a seminar. It's like a tragedy now because like I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, like I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna waste money. And like now knowing like how far I've been in it, I'm like shit. I should shit totally gone but um yeah no it was good so a lot of those guys would go into the city because their main hq was in the city and what makes it even worse my office was like right next to like hq so i totally should have stopped in and i didn't like <laughs> really ever and so uh but i know i think magno taught some classes at noon over there uh or like during the day if i'm not mistaken so oh wow so. <clears throat> yeah i had um i traveled to new york this is probably uh, two years ago, and yeah. I went to um, uh, staying in Brooklyn for uh, for an event, and I had looked up. I had brought my gi, and I had looked up jujitsu in Brooklyn, and I knew that Hanzo had an academy uh, that was there, mm -hmm. and it happened to be literally the next block over. Uh -huh. So I went did a drop in and and um, went to that uh, Hanzo's in Brooklyn. I mean, unbelievable. Sick. Yeah, unbelievable. so sick. Yeah, it was super fascinating too because I went, uh, took a took a morning class, did a private as well, and and it's just the volume of people that uh, mm -hmm. that are there and just um, yeah, doing a lot of great great work teaching jujitsu to the people of of New York. Oh yeah, no, it's great, especially like my favorite class, like especially nowadays the Ten Planets, the noon slot, and I always ask myself, I was joking with someone about this the other day, I was like, 
what do these people do for work? Like, are these all bums? Like jujitsu, but like, it's like noon class is packed. It's like, what's going on here? Like, it's kind of funny. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, so you're in New York playing rugby schedule change. You got to keep active uh, before we make the transition from New York to San Diego, which I'm anxious to hear about. Um, talk to me about rugby. What's the story with that? Uh, it's fun. I mean, like in what I picked it up in college, um, because yeah, in high school I did football, wrestling, track and field lacrosse. And then in college, um, uh, basically I only chose the college that I wanted to apply to based if they were, had an athletic training program, uh, cause I knew I wanted to be in the sports medicine realm. And then, uh, literally when I was there, I was like, dude, I miss like contact based sports. And so someone was like, Hey dude, uh, come out to rugby and dude, you can, check that box and then we like drink and party after and i was like sold all right <laughs> so like so uh that's literally how i got into the rugby realm and honestly like that community is 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 super fun it's a very like welcoming loving community i was telling someone about this actually a couple months ago it's the only sport team-based sport i think i ever played where it's like normally it's like you compete and then like after the game you like lose and there's like bad feelings uh you like typically have in the rugby culture like a drink off or like party with the other team like no after the match yeah so it's like it's it's uh very welcoming there's really no hard feelings so it's really sick man yeah yeah that's that's super cool um yeah. are you much of a reader uh periodically uh <laughs> i'd say i definitely learn auditorially or i learn better with audio than reading i've tried speed reading and stuff and i don't know man like i'm, I'm trying like i'm working on it but yeah no i've <laughs> I've read, <laughs> I've read uh, a handful of books and I've got like my staples or go-tos uh, that like I recommend to my students and things like that. But uh, sure. yeah, I feel like I just learn better listening for the most part. Yeah. Uh, the, re the reason I ask is there's a book, I don't know if it's on audio, but um, uh -huh. I got introduced a couple years ago, uh -huh. um, but it's a, a book called Legacy and it's a story. Okay. Sick. Yeah. That, um, it tells a whole story of, you know, just a organizational culture of the all blacks uh, oh nice yeah and uh yeah super fascinating because uh -huh. um again there's just some very positive cultural things and uh anyways when you're talking about rugby I, you don't run into too many yeah. rugby that that yeah. book legacy is literally, literally one of my kind of go-to books that's what i was asking so anyways. oh that's awesome no that's great yeah no the all blacks it's like if you take a look at like historical lens of like sports and certain countries just dominating their sector it's kind of wild like <laughs> like with how long they've done it how consistently they've done it it's kind of kind of insane yeah for sure yeah if you get a chance i'm sure you'll probably appreciate that just yeah. understanding the world of rugby and, and the all blacks the history of the all blacks i mean the yeah. the my only real knowledge of them again you know i think that they uh, have done a great job with branding themselves mm -hmm. as, a, as a team uh but also you know part of that is just they're winners. So people always want to yeah. know who the winners are. And, mm -hmm. you know, part of what really, I guess, kind of uh, helped them, but well, I shouldn't say help them. How I, how I learned about them is there's that kind of famous all black um, commercial that they show them doing the Hakka. Yeah. And uh, anyways, that was, that was kind of part of, you know, what resonates the brand and the team. And then through all that, again, I ended up meeting somebody that I was interviewing that she was a rugby player out in San Diego uh -huh. and had asked her a question about, you know, what book had been the most influential book 
and she had referenced that book. And I'm like, oh, I'll go check it out. But anyway, oh, sick. Yeah, dope. I'll definitely check it out. Thanks, man. Any other recs thrown my way? I'm gonna for look sure. for the audio version, but like, <laughs> for sure, for absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, took on rugby in college. Where did uh, where did you originally grow up? Uh, up in the Northeast, or? Uh, yeah, so I was born in Long Beach, and then um, I went, grew up basically in Garden Grove, and then I went okay. to high school in like Anaheim. Yeah. Oh no way! Oh, so, yeah, okay. kind of popped around SoCal. Yeah, for sure. Then how did you? So how did you end up in um, in New York? Uh, I topped on a one way flight. And, uh, <laughs> after, yeah, like graduating college, I was like, all right, I hopped on a one-way flight, got out there. I gave my mom's a week's notice, uh, that I was doing it. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> my mom was like, live it at me. Uh, but yeah, she ended up getting over it. So that's okay. But, uh, yeah, it all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, I knew I wanted to get some work experience as an athletic trainer because there's people that go direct, um, like post, they'll do like athletic training school and then they'll like a, go straight to PT school. Um, I want to get my reps in, I guess you could say. And so I want to go get some clinical experience out there. Um, rules and regulations are a little different so I could run and treat my own schedule. Um, so I got like a ton of great experience, uh, working directly with clients, not necessarily, um, like athletic trainers function technically in California and doing like sideline medical coverage, sporting events. It was a great opportunity for me to kind of travel around all the boroughs. So I would co- do event coverages in Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan. Never really Staten Island. So sorry. Uh, never, never been there. But <laughs> yeah. for sure. And, and, and you, you had mentioned so growing up, you wrestled football, lacrosse, and track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was, Not really was, track. I say track. Hold on. Time out. Shot put discus. So like, like right. it's like track, but like, nah, definitely was not running. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and that was all in SoCal or Orange uh, County base? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I went to an all boys Catholic high school um, called Servite. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just basically like a giant frat house, honestly. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, everyone there was basically involved in sports most of their time. And um, yeah, so during my time uh, in high school, uh, I did different sports, different years, I guess I was there. And, uh, basically by senior year, I was like, all right, I'm not going to get a D1 scholarship, uh, anywhere. So let's cut ties. Let's start working. Um, so I picked up my first job senior year. I think it probably stems from like what my freshman year football coach gave me like the most backhanded compliment I think I've ever gotten. He was just like, you're like the best non-starter I've ever coached. I was like, what's that? Like, what is that? Like, if I was good enough, I would just start. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I don't know if that's what started my road being like, oh, I want to work developing these athletes uh, because I guess I could. Those who can't play coach, you know, that you phrase or whatever, or teach. <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. The um, uh, Servite, I mean, they just got a legacy of winning. And- oh, yeah. Just an overall but, winning, winning culture for sure. Oh yeah, no, it's wild. Like a lot of the guys that I played with, they got D one scholarships and moved on, and yeah, yada yada. For sure. So, you, you think uh, part of that, you know, growing up in that culture and just some of the, you know, I guess kind of lessons that come along with being in that culture. I mean, do you you, you see some of that stuff carry on to what you're doing today, or it's not non issue, non impact, or? Uh, great, great question. Um, honestly, a lot of the lifting principles that I learned back then still carry through and hold true today. Like they brought in like ex NFL lifting coaches and stuff. Like we'd be lifting at 6am. It really taught me discipline of like film study. 
which honestly, I wish more happened in the jiu-jitsu community and martial arts community because it was like very structured. It's like every Saturday we're watching film on the previous uh, week. Uh, we're lifting at consistent times and not to say that like martial artists don't watch a ton of film, but substantially less than I've seen in, across all the major sports. So NBA, NFL, uh, basketball, like whatever, you know. So um, definitely gave me that discipline. Okay, you got to you got to prep. You got to study. Uh, consistency of schedule uh, is crucial. Like, honestly, you may not want to show up, but as long as you show up, put in a decent amount of work, uh, as long as you stay consistent, trend line is going to be gliding up. So Yeah, up, up and to the right. Yeah, that consistency and just the ability to be able to stick with something over time and, and watching it compound is, yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. Um, cool, man. Well, let's uh, let's transition real quickly. So, um, talk to us about the history of uh, Good Vibes. When did uh, when did that start? So, you are in New York. You're uh, getting some reps in. You at what point do you go to PT school and then graduate and start Good Vibes uh, uh, PT and fitness? Um, so yeah, so basically I moved out to New York. Um, they signed me for 35,000 a year. Sick. <laughs> so, <New York. laughs> exactly. And I was like, great. So I was like busting my ass. So, uh, to make even just like 50 K a year, I think I was working like 60 hours a week. And so it taught me like, okay, I don't want to do this forever. <laughs> so uh, I was like, all right, what's the next step? Okay, I got to go to PT school. Um, so I was still working out there. And then, yeah, I applied to some places, uh, got into San Diego. Um, basically, it's called University of St. Augustine. It's in San Marcos, California. So a little North County, San Diego. Um, so when I came out here, I would still do some athletic training gigs while I was in school. And every time when I was, uh, I had to keep up with con ed. So like the different requirements, like strength conditioning stuff, I need to keep up certain con ed requirements, athletic training stuff. I need to keep up con ed requirements, physical therapy I do. So every time I'd have to do it, I'd try to drag a different classmate with me to be like, Hey dude, I gotta go do this. Do you want, Hey dude, I don't want to go do this alone here. Do you want it? You're interested in this. So, uh, it was good that I was able to do that. Um, I was still working, keeping up my credentials out here as strength conditioning coach and athletic training um, individual while being in PT school and working side gigs, you know, individual like personal training, client development, uh, sideline coverages of events, things like that. Yeah. But basically, I got it. I got an opportunity to make more money and move out here. And uh, yeah, I kind of went for that. So, yeah. How, how, long, how long were you in New York? Well, I was there for like uh, two and a half, like just shy of three years. Yeah. Got it. So, so years, yeah. You say, okay, hey, I have an opportunity to come back to to Southern California, North County. I'm sure, um, family was was excited to have you back. Oh, family was super excited. Um, the weather out there too. It's just like that was the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, dude, weather just sucks, man. <laughs> like, like there's so many times where I was like standing on like a train deck and it's like cold as shit outside. I'm like, what am I doing here, dude? <laughs> So, uh, but no, I met my wife back there though. So it all worked out, told her I was moving out here and she hopped aboard. So, or she wasn't my wife then, but we ended up getting married. So it worked out perfectly. So, so cool. So you're, you're there, you meet your wife, mm -hmm. you come to California or come back to California, you start PT school mm -hmm. and you just never left Orange County. Is that kind of the, the short story? Yeah. So basically I went to school County, in um, San Diego County. Yeah, San Diego. Honestly, like as soon as I moved here, I was like, this place is sick. 
I'm not leaving. <laughs> like, I was like, North County, it reminds me of like the old um, LA because like my grandparents used to live in Marina Del Rey. So I'd always time oh. go up to like uh, when it was like Swampland and now it's whatever it is, like Silicon oh, Beach or whatever. Like that change was wild. So North County, San Diego reminded me of like what I grew up with as a kid. And I was just like, this is sick. Like I'm staying here until that happens again. Then maybe I'll dip states. I don't know. <laughs> but it's, it's going to be a while. Like. <laughs> For sure. So, so talk to us about, so you graduate PT school. Where does the crossover between uh, the 10th Planet Oceanside team and the launch of Good Vibes PT, how, how did all that kind of come to life? Uh, yeah. So basically I yeah, graduated PT school. I worked at, um, uh, I listened to the podcast that you did with Open Mat Physio, um, mm-hmm. dude, awesome podcast. Um, she highlighted the concept of mills and yeah, so I was working at a little bit of a mill based PT, uh, clinic and I was like, dude, I'm, I'm not doing this. So I like quit. And I was just like, yeah, this isn't why I'm doing it. So I launched my business January, 2020, excellent timing. <laughs> and i was just like ah shit like as soon as the pandemic hit, like i started gaining some steam and then uh you know that put an axe through that really quickly and uh so i was like what do i do with all my free time so i really then was just like at that time i was training at 10th planet oceanside so i think i took a like a week off at the beginning of the pandemic and i was like i'm just gonna keep training and so like i just like uh kept going to the gym um and yeah, I really built a good relationship with basically everyone there. Uh, me and some buddies, we joke around. You drive around during the pandemic and see all the jujitsu spots, and they have like flags or posters, you know, like boards in the windows. And it's like you know, you know, they're training there. Like, like you definitely know that. So, like, it's pretty funny. That's pretty awesome. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Um, so you start, uh, you start good vibes, and uh-huh. you start, um just kind of work through work through the pandemic talk, talk yeah. to us about um talk to us about your model I, I have some specific questions but like how does how does your program work if uh, i know that on your website it says book a 15 minute consultation i fill out that form what does that process look like yeah so basically um uh, anyone can i'll talk to anybody for any issue uh step one i gotta identify am i the right person even for your job or for like your issue you know if you call me up and you don't fit the bill of like someone that I can see, such as like, you're like, dude, I just fractured my leg. What do I do? <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, you got to go get some x-rays on that. You got to go like dive to an orthopedic surgeon, you know, things like that. Right. Uh, if I do identify like I'm the type of person that can help you out, um, people paint themselves like a clear picture and kind of, or paint me a clear picture on what's going on. Uh, we kind of just chit chat. I see what their goals are, what they're looking to accomplish, things like that. And then I give them my recommendation. Uh, like, Hey, how should we proceed? They're welcome to schedule an evaluation or not. I typically give plenty of opportunity and time to answer any questions they have. And normally I try to give a couple things to just get them going down the right road. So example, like if someone's got like an MCL injury, okay. So what that means is basically the ligament on the inside of the knee, right? So what's going to piss it off. That's a rubber band with a tear in it. If I get a rubber band with a tear in it, if I keep stretching that rubber band, it's probably not going to make that rubber band feel pretty good, right? right? So you don't want that knee buckling in. So any buckling in of the knee is going to be stretching that ligament. So maybe you eliminate, and this is where I try to blend my familiarity with the sport. Maybe if it's your right knee, 
you don't want a knee cut towards that left side, the side that everyone passes. No one passes to the right for some reason. <laughs> but like, like that baffles me. But like, anyway, so like maybe you don't want a knee cut with your right knee towards that direction because you're going to be inducing that valgus stress on the inside of the knee and putting more pressure. So cool. Just make sure, you know, circle the other way, right? So I try to give people ways to train around injury uh, because a lot of the time what I tell individuals, like training around injury is a skill set. And unfortunately, it's a skill set you can't really cultivate and develop unless you're injured. Right. You know, I mean, because realistically, it'd be great if it's just like, hey, just get off it and rest and it'll be better. But dude, literally the sport of jujitsu is I'm going to take a joint to end range. You're either going to concede or I'm going to break it. <laughs> or I'm going to like choke it. That's literally the sport. It's like, I'm going to take your tissue to end range and... I'm going to either break this shit or you're going to be like, yeah, you got me, you know? So, uh, with that being the goal of the sport, like <laughs> injuries are going to come up. It's not a question of if it's a question of when. So now on your website, um, it shows specifically grappling, jujitsu, wrestling, MMA, combat athletes. Right is is mm -hmm. kind of your the niche that you operate in. Uh, do you find it challenging, kind of putting yourself in that very specific segment of um, an audience? Um, yeah, great question. Uh, I definitely see individuals outside of that um, because mm. they keep the business afloat. <laughs> like for sure. Like let's be honest, a lot of the people in uh, a jujitsu gym or MMG, MMA gym they don't even have insurance. Right, they don't have like anything, right? Like, <laughs> I'm like, what do you even? Do? You're participating in this sport, and you don't even have like, you can't even go to an emergency room. Um, so, uh, yeah, like definitely, I end up usually seeing friends, family members, things along those lines when I have good outcomes with those individuals. But that's like the uh, group that I'm passionate about, honestly. Um, since I started my jujitsu journey, it, like the biggest tragedy I saw, and the reason why I want to serve this community is I saw tons of like super talented individuals show up and just start like wrecking people. And I was like, dude, this person's going to be sick. And then they like their career gets derailed due to injury or maybe they move or like to me, it's like a tragedy if anyone ever stops jujitsu because they keep getting hurt. Like right. if I get it, it's like you want to change career paths, go for it. You want to, you move somewhere, that's fine. But like, don't let like injury be like the main reason why you stop doing this. Like I've gotten so much benefit out of, being a member of like this community that like the least I can do is like try to keep people in this community as long as I can. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. I sometimes no. No. go on tangent. So just redirect <laughs> me. Like, <laughs> no, 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 you're good, man. Yeah. You're good. So um, as far as, you know, the typical or, or more common injuries that you see dealing with athletes, what are some of the, what are, what are some of the common things that uh that you see i'm gonna probably get in trouble for saying this uh as a 10th planet member uh <laughs> cup your knee people if you play rubber guard please you're gonna blow out your lcl i've seen this at least like over 10 times like plus in the gym it's like when they're here and they don't cup their knee and they just grab their foot you create a major varus force and you just pop that lcl so i've seen that like so consistently um <laughs> That I just like, I'm like, ah. Um, so, but yeah, there's various injuries I see. MCLs, very common. Um, shoulder injuries, super consistent, super common. 
uh, neck injuries, um, something I'm like almost adamant about. If someone's kicking, punching, elbowing you in the head or trying to choke you unconscious, like some neck stability drills probably goes a long way, right? <laughs> it's like, doesn't need to be rocket science, right? So getting your neck nice and strong, uh, if, yeah, any of those things are occurring, which is basically all combat sports athletes. Yeah. Yeah, for so, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, so knee, shoulder, neck are the common mm -hmm. one. Um, and I've had all of them <laughs> to, to, to some, <laughs> some, very, some varying degree shoulder for me was, a, was the worst. I ended up uh -huh. having to have uh, surgery, but, um, from a, from a preparation standpoint, right? So there's the time in training where typically the injury happens, uh, but the body is, you know, a system of systems, a, uh, I guess the longer somebody trains, they start to realize that, hey, pre, not just the, uh, not just the warm up, right, that that is the, the class, right, I think that there should be some, some type of structured preparation before, and then mm -hmm. post workout, right, I'm sure yep. that there is some, some things that could happen, you can't just go from 100 miles an hour rolling session right. to, to, jumping into the freeway and sitting in traffic for, you know, an hour, right. Which is what yep. commonly happens in, in Southern California. Yep. So, so from based on your recommendation um, and just kind of the things that you've seen, what, what are some things that you would recommend for somebody um, that is a jujitsu athlete or, or combat athlete that trains consistently? What are some things that you would recommend prior to training? And then what are some things that you would recommend post-training? Uh, great question. So, um, in general, a good starting point is turn on the muscles that you're going to be needing to use. So if we really break it down, not to like oversimplify things, but I usually start here when I'm talking with like my PT or athletic training students or strength conditioning students, all rehab is, is think about what you normally do and do the opposite. That's it. All performance is, if we put on our strength conditioning hat now, is think about what you normally do and load that pattern. So if I do a bunch of fucking pressing patterns, let's start loading those patterns. Yes, it gets a little more complicated than that, right? But if all I'm doing all day is a bunch of this, I'm going to want to do the opposite. A lot of pulling. Open shit up, right? right? So if I'm sitting like this all day, is let's say I'm a guard player, right. do I want to keep sitting like for my job or anything like that? No, like let's bend back and do some shit the other way, right? So um, in general, you could oversimplify it to that um and then so take a look at step one is take a look at all the movement patterns that you typically do and what your style is because there's different styles right you know so if i'm like a wrestler like smashing individual what i would want to do for a warm-up or post uh training routine may be a little bit different than you know my guard player or vice versa. Same with gi versus no gi, right? Gi tends to be a little bit slower game. We got more forearm injuries, hand injuries, wrist injuries, because you're slowing stuff down and grabbing things, right? No gi tends to not say you can be sloppier on defense, which is why I like it. But you're, you're all looped up, you're just slipping out of stuff. <laughs> like, right? You know, there's like way less control, like in general, right? And so, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. So in general, if before you train, Turn on muscles that you're going to need to use. You can't really go wrong with turning on your abdominals and glutes. A lot of the time, those are very common weak musculature in grappling individuals or um, combat sports athletes. And then um, post-training, 
think loosen up. The key is loosen up whatever you just did. So if you played guard all day, you better be bending back, moving shit the opposite way. If you were throwing punches or if you're framing a ton that day, open on up. Maybe get some snow angels on like foam roller, anything like that. So just take a look at what you did that day and think loosen things up after your training that you just used. Pre-training, maybe turn some of those things on. If I really boil it down that simply, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's now, what about what about training off of the mat, right? So mm-hmm. me, I, I typically train, you know, a couple of days out of the week. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably the best description of a hobbyist, right? And just show up. I have zero interest in competing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of play my game. I de- I'm, you know, obviously developing developing my air quotes game, but, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to keep up. Well, I'm, I'm obviously doing the best I can to stay relevant, but, you know, I have zero ambition to do anything in the world of competition or anything like that. I just enjoy the time being on the mat. I enjoy knowing that, uh, um, you know, I could train and I could feel confident in, in what I'm doing outside of that. You know, I got a pretty busy life. I got a business, I got a career, I got my family, I got a bunch of stuff going on. However, I do recognize that the time off the mat doing other work, right? Whether it's mobility work or strength training work mm-hmm. um, is obviously just as important to help me stay on the mat. Right mm-hmm. now, if you were to give a kind of baseline recommendation from a training standpoint off of the mat, what, what's your typical recommendation for somebody that is, um, you know, a jiu-jitsu hobbyist versus a jiu-jitsu competitor? Great question. Loaded question. But also a great question. Yeah. Uh, throw, throwing in the competitor in there. Yeah. So, um, so definitely managing workloads crucial for both these individuals. Okay. Whether you were talking about hobbyists, whether we're talking about people that are in camp or prepping for anything along those lines that are do, is doing this more as a career. So understand the concepts of undulating periodization programming. Basically, you maybe have heard of this as like high lows or anything like that. Now, the catch-22, the negative of that with combat sports, not negative, but depending on where you train. Like, I'm fortunate enough where I train, uh, there's, like, great people in the gym, and it's going to be tough roles, like, all the time. Right. If you're maybe in a little more rural or, uh, like, okay, niched out or, like, smaller gym, smaller area, you can say it's going to be a light day, and then you show up to class, and it's just like a bunch of savages, and you're just going to be like, "Well, I guess it's not a, not going to be a light day, right?" <laughs> so you can't really control that variable, right, to a certain degree. Um, but um, think strength training twice a week's more than enough. Okay, uh, yeah, you can start doing more, but realize like our body can only tolerate a certain volume of things. So I usually recommend lifting like twice a week. It just makes you more durable as an athlete. Um, if you are going to slowly ramp up your training time, set your ideal number. So let's say if you want to hit six training sessions in a week, don't just like jump straight to six, right? Um, maybe, you know, start at three. Next week or uh, following week, maybe jump up to five, then scale back down to four, then hit your six. So you build rest breaks into your weekly or monthly outlook. Um of your training program. Okay. Um, low hanging fruit is usually where I start if we're talking about longevity of training or ability to train. Right. And what, what I mean, low hanging fruit is like, it's not rock. It doesn't have to be rocket science. Show up to practice hydrated. Don't show up hungover. Right. You know, um, make, yeah, right. <laughs> like, right? 
Like, right? it's, yeah, it helps it hurt you. <laughs> That's okay, right? Yeah, if you're going in dehydrated and you're literally just going to sweat out a ton, yeah, you're going to be predisposed to muscle cramps, injuries, variety of other things, right? Um, make sure uh, your diet's relatively like on point, right? Don't go in like on completely empty stomach where you got no energy and you're completely drained, right? And that's more dialing into performance nutrition stuff. A reference, go look at like the fight dietitian, uh, the shit they're doing with like the UFC money. It's great. Um, uh, next is, did you just come off of like a five hour sleepless night? Or like you, if you've got under eight hours, you like eight hours is like your baseline, right? So if you're sick or you're injured, maybe we should try to get a little bit more, right? If you are not able to do that, that's okay. Find a time to nap, find a time to kind of rest. But if you're coming off of like back-to-back six-hour nights, is that the training session that you should plan to go hard in? Probably not. <laughs> you know, right? Does it, you know? So take a look at sleep, hydration, overall workload. Start there before we start diving into, usually what I tell people, before the foam rolling and the mobility and the cold plunge and this and that, you know, start with like the easy stuff. Right. And then you can always layer in those other things. Cause some people it's like, Hey, if you work graveyard shift and that's all you do, uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe we won't be able to get good sleep. Okay. So we're going to need to modify and change things a little bit. But for most individuals, you start there, you'll clean up a lot of recurrent injuries and you're going to start noticing you get increased tolerance to activity. So like this thing behind me, basically the step you're talking about is right there. Work capacity. Right. You're building out your baseline work capacity, um, which is like, example, walking one mile is way different than walking four miles. So your ability to tolerate multiple or consecutive training sessions uh, is going to be different than uh, just like a single session. So, so. That's great. Now, I want to go back to recommendation. Hey, two times a week is kind of a good uh, baseline or good expectation mm -hmm. for, for resistance training. Mm -hmm. Do you have um, any specific um, preferences around that? Should it be like an upper body, lower body split? Should it be two full body, high intensity? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, what would be some baseline recommendation for uh, for somebody during those two days of training? Uh, great question. Again, um, so I personally split things into six distinct movement patterns, and then we can get we can dive into the weeds a little bit more, uh, but. Yeah, I pulled a lot of this from yeah one of my like mentors on the East Coast, Rob Panarello, and that's basically where this system comes from. It's behind me, it's called Alvar Neal's Hierarchy of Athletic Development. So basically, he's the only strength and conditioning coach to win an NFL championship and an NBA championship with the 49ers and Bulls. Wow. Um, and so he's in the Strength and Conditioning Hall of Fame. Rob's in the Strength and Conditioning Hall of Fame. He adapted this model for a little bit more rehab specific, um, but building out a baseline tolerance. And we, we can go through that if you want, but to answer your question, um, is like, uh, for, uh, overall hunt. I totally just space. Sorry. What was your question again? Yeah. Um, what do you recommend, yeah. what do you recommend from a, from a training standpoint? Do you training standpoint? Yes. Yeah. So, um, six, six distinct movement patterns. Thank you. So, um, view things, you know, how we talked about rehab is take, what you normally do and do the opposite. Yep. So you understanding what's opposites of each other is step one in my mind, right? So if I have a horizontal push, the opposite of that is a horizontal pull. Yep. If I have a vertical press, the opposite of that is a vertical pull. 
Nope. If I have a squat pattern, aka my knees are bending, that's the opposite of a hinge pattern. Right. Okay. So understanding those and taking a look at what you do workout wise, it doesn't need to be each workout, but from a macro perspective from the week and making sure, okay, if I hit a shit ton of horizontal pushes, I got to make sure to get plenty of horizontal pulls. Or if I got a ton of vertical presses, I got to get some sort of vertical pulls or squat or hinges. Squat and hinges is normally where people get confused um, because like you'll hear th- or see things like a trap bar deadlift. And I'm willing to die on this hill saying this <laughs> because it frustrates me so much that like a trap bar deadlift, if your knees are bending and going from a bent to a straight position, your quads have to work. So you're using your quads. Okay, yes, hamstrings co-contraction. Yes, I'm using my glutes, which are hips extensor. Okay, but if we're talking about opposites, okay, um, you got to do a hinge pattern. What are hinge patterns? Bridge, kettlebell swing, straight leg deadlift, okay, hip thrust, any of those, okay? You got to do something to offset your squat pattern. So when I'm talking with someone and they're like telling me about like, I'm like, okay, so you worked out legs, sick, dope. Tell me what it is. And they say like, oh yeah, dude, I did step ups. I did squats. I did lunges. And, um, I did, uh, I don't know, like split squats. Um, what I heard was squat, 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 squat. And I was like, okay, cool. So we're just going to do some more hinges and your shit's going to clean up. Sick. Dope. <laughs> so if that makes kind of sense. Dude, that makes, that makes tons of sense. Um, so, <clears throat> so walk me through. So I, I looked at your social and in your group classes, at least the group classes that you show on your social uh, looks like, and again, I realize that social is just a, you know, 60 second snippet of what's actually happening. Um, But you know, what you show is you show a lot of kind of unilateral work. You show a lot of uh, mobility esque type movement. Um, Are those the kind of foundational pieces of training or or why do you choose to display those, um, I guess, types of movements? Uh, great question. Uh, well, first thing is uh, the classes I teach at 10th Planet um, are basically a strength conditioning class and then a mo- mobility class. Fair so, enough. yeah, so like, so like that, that's kind of a good starting point. Uh, but that's why the mobility stuff's there and strength conditioning. The range of the individuals that attend my strength conditioning, I've had it everywhere from six year olds to 70 year olds. So teaching group classes is way different than individual structure structuralized training, right? So you got to be able to teach a pattern that everyone will be able to replicate. Everyone feels comfortable doing. Um, so definitely there's intricacies of group class versus even mini groups, like three to five people versus individual. You can get more complicated with the movement patterns as the number goes down in general. You can get more complicated with large classes once they feel confident and comfortable and familiar with the movement pattern. But otherwise, sometimes that leads to like injury, right? If like if I give someone a super complex, like if I give someone a snatch and I haven't vetted that they can't even flex their shoulder overhead, they're gonna fuck up their shoulder. <laughs> like, you know, like without that. So um uh but yeah, so that's why a lot of times on social media I just kinda like post whatever I'm doing. Uh, but now with this new workspace that I'm developing, hopefully I'll be able to start getting different content out there, uh, which would be good. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah. let's transition to that. So you were running your practice and teaching classes at a 10 plant Oceanside. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, this is the Biz Jitsu podcast where we talk all things business, all things jujitsu. You are now growing and expanding your business to your own independent space. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about it. So tell us, uh, you know, a little bit about the space and some of the plans and things that you're working on. Um, yeah. So basically, yeah, this is like the treatment room. There's treatment table and stuff. Uh, front room is just going to be waiting room. Uh, we talked about concepts of film study. I'm going to be really diving down the film study rabbit hole. Uh, set up like a chalkboard wall in there. Uh, start breaking things down um, for yeah the different like MMA athletes and individuals that I'm working with. Um, and then uh, the back rooms, basically the warehouse space. So kettlebells, dumbbells, uh, barbells, squat racks. Uh, got a cold plunge sauna. Um, I'm going to dork out a little and I'm going to start collecting data. So I got some force plates so I can start measuring like force input into the ground. So view that as like a starting line, right? So how much force I produce into the ground. Yeah, I mean, that's an indicator potentially of power, but through the kinetic chain, as it transfers through my feet, through my hips, through my shoulders, at the end of the finish line or the finish line, basically of the race, you want to also measure that. So I, uh, got like basically this vertical, uh, like, I guess, power output thing where it's like a force plate where you, I can start measuring kicking, punching, elbow, knees, teeps, like power output. So I can start measuring the front or the starting line of the race and the ending line of the race, if that makes sense. Sure. Right. Um, so I can see like how much force is kind of lost through the kinetic chain. Um, so yeah, I'm going to start collecting data on that. I plan to do that. And then, uh, yeah, I've got all the other stuff, you know, like assault bike and what or a growing machine and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm planning to dork out. Like one of my buddies came by, who's a PT and stopped by. He's like, dude, this is just like a little man cave. And I was like, yeah, I was like, dude, that's the goal. There's like just a bunch of fun toys in here. And like, yeah, I get a dork out. Cause like, I'm a nerd with this stuff. I like, I love it. Yeah. Dude, that's super cool. Now, now from a, a standpoint or the facility standpoint, uh, how do you plan on uh, intaking clients? Is it going to be, um, individual one-on-ones is it going to be you're going to have your own kind of separate set of group classes how does how does that all work uh great question in all honesty full disclosure i'm still figuring out how to leverage this space (laughs) so like right you know uh but i'm definitely individual one-on-one clients kind of my bread and butter right now okay that's what's going to keep everything afloat um i'm going to hopefully start rolling out like a free mma strength conditioning class with individuals uh, or if you're in North County, San Diego, and you want to train that, um, I'm going to be working out with you. So pop on by. Um, I would love to do that with boxing, with wrestling, and Muay Thai athletes. Because okay. while there's similarities between the two, it's a little different, right? Grapplers, you need significantly more isometric strength and loading. Muay Thai and boxing athletes, definitely a little more explosive. Uh, Muay Thai, clearly major difference if you can throw knees and legs. Uh, way different than boxing, right? It's just hands, right? Um, so wrestling is also a little bit different depending on the style stylistically than jujitsu wrestlers. It's like, I know it's the best base people say for MMA mixed martial arts, but philosophical question here, uh, is it just because they're gas tank and they're learning to just go, 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 go. Is that what is, or is it the techniques themselves? I don't know. Right. You know? Um, so uh yeah but anyway so eventually i want to roll out like a free strength conditioning class for each of those individuals i plan eventually to do like mini classes on a two to five people kind of if they want to get together and we can work on specific things for similar like athletes or individuals and like i said uh yeah i see gen pop or individuals that don't train 
uh, if you got shoulder injury, neck injury, back injury, like whatever. So, so mm-hmm. that's, that's part of clientele. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. That is super cool. So when did you get that space? Uh, literally, I got the keys. Well, there was a squatter here. So they had to, <laughs> they had to kick out the squatter. There's always hiccups with me. Like, like yeah, it's, it's a mess. But uh, so I was supposed to get the keys in September. Uh, there was a squatter. I didn't get the keys basically until like closer to November. Um, so I've been just working, building out. I've been dumping the sweat equity into the place myself, um, uh, to cut some costs. And then, uh, basically I started seeing individuals like two weeks ago or like a week ago here. And then hopefully in the next month or two, I'll be able to have like a grand opening and, uh, yeah, really start getting the ball rolling here. So yeah, for sure. Let, Let us know. Uh, we'll obviously do everything we can to, to get behind you. Plus, I mean, also appreciate it. Nice. The, the market that you're going after, the jiu-jitsu, grappling, MMA, striking, arts. I mean, North County, San Diego. I mean, there's a hotbed, man. Tons, tons, tons. There's a lot of gyms here. <laughs> there's a lot of gyms. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for you. Hey, hey Mike. Um, yeah. Dude, I love all the like your training programs and all these little achievable um, parts in your program because I feel like in our society we're looking for that quick fix mm-hmm. right into getting that end result but you created these programs that have these um i guess goal posts at each level to get to the end goal right so um i love that i hate it when a provider tells me stop doing what you're doing stop doing what you're doing to get better right dude right. I, I i love that um love the force plate concept yeah first thing i thought about was like how do i constantly keep pressure on my guy right no that'd be sick like where am i losing it in (laughs) in the process can i keep that constant pressure from the beginning all the way to the end so um i'd love to hear like what research you're gonna or what you're gonna produce out of that yeah that's no that's honestly you just gave me a great idea like i've never thought of this before but potentially laying on the force plate driving in with those feet to see how much force you can like from like a side control position that's actually pretty sick so i'm gonna give you major credit if i reverse engineer that so for sure so my question is um are you utilizing well on a business standpoint are you utilizing any type of mentorship or any type of services to help you run anything uh yeah so uh i read this book initially back before i launched in 2020 i was like i gotta do something i can't just like do this without looking up anything. So uh, there's this book called uh, Fuck Insurance. Actually, it was the name of the book. <laughs> and so it's about getting out of the insurance model. Uh, his name's uh, Danny Mata. And like, uh, it was extremely helpful. I kind of listened to what he said, but not really. Like, Because basically, he starts the book uh, saying, okay, there's two types of individuals. One, you could like do as a side gig and grow slowly. Or you can kind of like burn the boats, for lack of a better term. And there's no option. You got to move forward. Like, right. And you got to know what style you are. I knew what style I was and I chose the slow approach, (laughs) which, so that's why I really feel like it's extended out my process. And I should have recognized and I should have, I should have done this like a long time ago. Um, but that's okay. Keep learning. Uh, figuring that out now. So, um, yeah, basically that book was super insightful and very helpful. I started doing their online business coaching. Uh, where they're able to kind of give me like uh, key pointers on like 
just overall stuff like metrics you should look at, uh, like the importance of like sales and stuff. Cause I hate sales. Like, honestly, like I'm the worst salesperson. I've told multiple people, like they come up to me with a question. It's like, Hey, should we set up? And I was like, nah, it's, just, it's not big of an issue. Just come to strength conditioning. It's like free. And like, yeah, your shit will be cleaned up in like four weeks. <laughs> like, so it's like from like a business lens, that's not, you don't want that person running a business. Right. So like, uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm learning how to be a better business individual, if that makes sense. Um, so they've been helping me with that. So, yeah. They have a podcast too. It's called uh, the PT Biz Podcast. Tons of useful stuff, honestly, for all business owners. Um, so I would definitely give it a recommendation for anyone that's trying to go into business for themselves. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Is that something that um, I guess most PT graduates lean to uh, listen to later? Um, not really. I mean, they don't teach anything in PT school about business they teach you this is probably gonna be horrible say this is my big issue with pt school they don't teach any exercise prescription it's literally just learn on the job yeah no for sure no major fucking issue right so it's like analogy i give some of my students it's like i was like all right let's start here imagine if like you train doctors and you told them about medications but you never told them about a propose dosing right so it's like, yeah, antibiotics are good for you. Uh, going to help infection. Can't tell you how much to give you though. <laughs> so like, it's going to be like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And so, um, yeah, like basically a lot of that I learned from athletic training and strength conditioning. Strength conditioning background gave me a huge uh, kind of leg up on understanding the appropriate dose to give someone. Because like it's pretty easy to annihilate someone. Like I've been talking with a couple of my athletes about this and it's like, dude, I want to make you as sore as possible. Yeah. We're just going to go like throw some cars in neutral and we're just going to push them around the parking lot. Like that's not, <laughs> it's not too difficult to just like annihilate someone. Right. But like you want to be able to stimulate adaptations or tissue changes so that they can still have a high quality training session. Because you know, how we talked about injury rates before, right? Like if I can barely move because I'm so stiff and I'm so sore, the quality of my technique work or training sessions going to diminish. So you want to be able to stimulate, but not like annihilate, if that makes sense, right? You want it within reason. You don't want them sore for like four days because now you just lost that much technique time, right? right. So, uh, but yeah, they, they teach none of that. <laughs> so like, I was like, what's going, what's going on here? Uh, yeah. so. do, you, do you think that you know your your background in jiu-jitsu athletic training all helped with um creating these programs oh yeah and Absolutely. Um, i guess the follow-up to that i guess is um so what's your what has been your greatest challenge in um providing services to a client uh great question um greatest challenges uh is I'm learning how to change people's habits. Uh, cause realistically I've gotten better at it, uh, for sure. And like, you know, uh, I reference or I referenced the podcast earlier that you had with, uh, open math physio and like yep. atomic habits, super useful concept of habit stacking. Okay. What framework do you currently have? Okay, cool. We're going to insert new habits on top of it. Yada, yada. But, um, yeah, because at the end of the day, the biggest challenge I usually find is getting people to break whatever habits they've been doing, whether it's not doing their work or whether it's 
usually I try to really identify what's pissing off in a day. So a good like starting point I usually tell individuals is, okay, your hour with me is great, but how many hours are there in a week? Right, you know, so twenty-four times seven. I don't know. Someone can do the math on it. I don't know. So it's it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. What? There we go. Perfect. So it's a lot, right? So like you're completely compliant. You see me two, three times a week. You're seeing me for two or three hours. You're doing what I want you to do. What about the other, you know, over a hundred hours, right? So usually, what I start with individuals modifying their sleeping positions. Okay, uh, modifying basically their working positions or work requirements because you're working, you know, eight hours a day. Uh, you're sleeping like eight hours a day. Um, so, and maybe some technique work. So, uh, so like, like we talked about earlier, like if you got an MCL injury, don't do a knee cut that way, things like that. Right. So now I'm dipping more into those hundred hours where I'm getting them to do more things to not piss it off as frequent. If that makes sense to me, that's better bang for my buck than me this is your book bullet or golden exercise that's going to fix everything, you know? So, um, realizing how to desensitize tissue, let it calm down so you can reload it so it can acclimate and adjust and become stronger and become more resilient is crucial. So getting people to be like, Hey, don't, don't do your job this way or, you know, sleep, sleep this way or like modify this, like habit changing things is kind of challenging. Um, but I'm getting better at it. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully. Day by day. day, by day. So, yeah, exactly. I dig it. <clears throat> Dude, we're almost an hour in. I can't believe that. This has been good, good conversation. Um, so a couple uh couple quick things. Um who's Mike outside of the PT room, outside of teaching class, outside of jujitsu? Like, tell us a little bit about you. Um shit, I'm a goofball if you haven't picked up that yet. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, I'm a little bit of a goober. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I love pizza and beer. It's my nemesis with weight cuts, dude. Like I've got ADC. I'm going to be competing at uh, what West Coast Trials. And so like, I'm just like, oh, I just had my like last beer yesterday. And I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> and like pizza, like I love pizza. Like pizza is my favorite. And so, um, you know, it's good though. Uh I'm trying to improve like day by day, like my own habits, my own skill sets, try to self-analyze, recognize weaknesses, uh, like anybody else and, uh, yeah, keep moving forward. But at the end of the day, you know, at the, this is a marathon for each person and, uh, you're only in a race with yourself. So really examining your stuff with other people, uh, kind of useless in my mind. Um, you know, you'll get there when you get there. So, sure. yeah. Sure. Do, do you do any, um, any specific ritual routine that, that you attribute, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, the concept of, or, or from the concept or from the book, Atomic Habits, right? The concept of uh, habit stacking and, and some of those things. Uh, do you have a standard kind of morning routine that you specifically use or weekly routine that you typically use? What, what, are, what are some things that make up Mike? Uh, yeah, great, great question. Again, I try to get, uh, I have my schedule. Subject to change always based on previous night's sleep, things like that. Um, I've been trying recently to read like five minutes a day. I was like, I can, I can do that. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, let's start, let's set the bar low. So let's like make it attainable. Um, so I've been getting better with that. Uh, I've been trying to get better, usually not always, but I feel like clinicians are like the worst patients. So I've been trying to set aside 
to do like, usually I wait till the wheels fall off on my own body and I'm like, okay, I should address this. Whereas if I just address it, like I tell people to do ahead of time, uh, you know, we wouldn't even get there. So I've been trying to set aside weekly uh, or like daily time for me to do at least like two things that I should do to allow me to continue to train. Cause yeah, my schedule is like decently packed, like with training. So I've hit anywhere from training sessions, uh, like four times is like a low week for jujitsu training specifically up to eight or even like 12, um, sessions a week. And then, you know, like coupling in there is like boxing, which I'm trash at. (laughs) And then, uh, like Muay Thai, which I'm trash, but a little bit better trash. And then, uh, (laughs) and then like every now and then, like, you know, like wrestling or something like that. But, um, yeah, like consistency with schedule is something honestly I should work on. I I feel like ritually I've been trying to really set up the habit on Sunday. I got a plan on my week. So I've been really trying in the past probably a couple months. Sunday night, I'm just blocking off, writing down all my training schedule, when I'm doing, cross-referencing with when I'm seeing people Sunday nights. And just planning that out uh, is super helpful. Um, and then I've been trying to standardize my bag time practices more so. You know, cutting out screen time for last hour, so on and so forth. You know, minimizing light. Um, start kind of like I don't know, doing something else, something productive around the house. Probably cleaning, considering I neglect uh, <laughs> cleaning, like off my nightstand or whatever. You know, it's filled with shit. So it's like, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. that's awesome. Now, now you mentioned um, prepping for uh, ADCC's West Coast Trials. Mm-hmm. Um, do you compete much? Uh, no. <laughs> so yeah, not at all. So I was like, dude, send it. So here we go. So, so yeah, I did that uh, for this actually kind of humorous or extremely humorous in my mind. Like I love comedy too. That's another thing I think outside. Like I love anything comedy based. Um, so yeah, I flew out to East Coast Trials and I was like, all right, going out with the mindset. Um, highlight reel or be highlight reel. That's it no middle ground. <laughs> that is the goal. And I stuck to the plan. I got highlight reeled by a scissor sweep. So I was like, God damn it. I was like, all right. So I was like, let's go Strauss. Here we go. We're up. Here we go. So I definitely bring hobbyist type vibes to the competitive scene uh, when I do compete. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I go out there cause I got to part of the time, part of the reason why I do it. I got to see what my athletes are going through. I like putting myself through what they have to, whether it's a weight cut whether it's, uh, you know, like practice or sparring, anything like that, um, to see what they feel, you know, like that's to me, like the best way I learn, like, yeah, we can talk about theoreticals and yeah, I can observe and stuff, but like, if I do something and all of a sudden I'm like, dude, I've been doing this. Well. Why is my shoulder so sore? Why is my knee so sore? And then it's like, Oh, okay. They're probably feeling similar things. Okay. So I'll be able to reverse engineer that. If that makes sense. So, but yeah, realistically, Geo, Geo bugs me all the time. Geo's like, dude, Mike, you got to compete more. I'm like, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Geo, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you've got a great relationship um, with uh, with him. And I noticed on your website, you know, you've done some work with him. Um, yeah. When you have somebody that has that much notoriety inside mm-hmm. of the jiu-jitsu space, high-level competitor, again, extremely influential coach and athlete. Is there a, I, I guess, I don't want to say pressure, but is there any, does that bring any nervousness to dealing with somebody that is uh, a little more high stakes than, you know, someone like me? 
Uh, honestly, like not really. Like at least like hanging around, working out, uh, or working with that individual, like various other individuals. Like I've worked with plenty of like high level individuals across yeah. the spectrum of sports. Um, like over the years, and uh, yeah, like all sports across the board. So over time and yeah, experience, I've gotten comfortable just hanging out with them. They're a normal person, just like you, you know. So like you're just chilling. Um, if anything, like <laughs> I feel like I almost like not frustrate Gio sometimes, but I was like, what, like for like a year, I was just playing out of bottom side to see like, what can I do just out of like bottom side, which no one ever wants to be in jujitsu, right? <laughs> like they train, like, do not get there. Like, that's not what you want to do. And I was like, dude, let, I'm sure there's stuff down here. Let's see. So like periodically, like I'll go to him or Ricky, our wrestling coach. And they said, like, I'm like the, I don't know if you've seen that always sunny meme, uh, where it's like Charlie's pointing at the board and there's like all these like lines going everywhere there's like a, a little meme about that and so like yeah i'll come to them with like my book and be like hey i think we could hit a sub from this crappy position like <laughs> what do you think and then that like him and Reggie are just like oh jeez, dude <laughs> so it's uh it's good though like uh i love uh working uh at 10th planet like they're very accommodating and like the best part is geo lets everyone in that gym be them so you know he runs a great establishment um it's very oh. open-ended yeah, the culture seems awesome. Yeah. At least from an outsider uh, outsider view. Plus, you know, yeah. I, we have uh, some mutual friends that speak very yeah. highly of the, of the community, and yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Super fun. Cool, cool. Uh, well, listen, we're at the top of the hour, uh, so typically um, Archie um, may have some additional questions, but also mm. has some rapid fire questions. Archie, what do you got? Um, I got some rapid fire questions if you're ready, Mike. Sweet. Well, usually I ask this, but I think we already know the answer. Uh, gi, gi or nogi? <laughs> uh, yeah, got gotta go, gotta go nogi. Uh, but we'll put a little asterisk: gi pants, triangles are way sicker. <laughs> like in nogi, when you wear gi pants, so yeah, it's sick. <laughs> yeah. Will, will you ever put on a gi? Uh, dude, I have, I have it. It's got a lot of dust in my closet. Uh, I know I, I gotta go. I gotta start doing it more. I do. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, your, your go-to submission. Um, probably this is going to sound funny. The ghost stars. So when you're in bottom side, you can skirt out the back and then you throw up that darts. Yep. Fucking love that shit in a scramble. <laughs> like, like, scramble. Oh no. <laughs> that shit's when, great. When you're on bottom side and they transition. And yeah. Yeah. I, see yeah, where I, you're love, going. I, I see. love that. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. uh, your biggest pet peeve in uh, jujitsu. Right. Biggest pet peeve in jujitsu. Um, that's a great question. I really have, not no peppies, but I don't know. Come on, there's got to be something that bothers you. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I'll defend. I'll play devil's advocate here. I think I got something. Uh, I'll defend the spazzy white belt. So I will say I'll I'll go out there and I'll throw out. I'll defend the spazzy white belt. At some point, you were that person. So don't go like shitting on that person, complaining about that person. Because if you're good enough, you can just hold them down and pin them and control them. And if you can't control the spazzy white belt, I think that says something more about your jujitsu than it does about them. 
man, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I don't know. I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for that. No, I, I like it. I, I, yeah, I, I can I see where you're going with that. I like that. I like I that. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, last one. If you can roll yeah. with any three people in the world, who would they uh, be? Any three people. I got to throw Craig Jones up there. Just It'd be fun to see if any of my bullshit works on him. Doubt it. But... <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see. Um, other people to roll with. Um, a Rutolo brother would be sick. Again, I love their style. It's super explosive. Um, their style, and I'll throw Andy Varela on there as well. Um, I almost think that's like not the future of Nogi grappling, but that repetitive, fast-paced style. Uh, like we talked earlier, was wrestling, is it the techniques of wrestling that's great? Or is it just because it's go, 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 nonstop, and you get really good at positional exchanges? Can that be done in jiu-jitsu? And I feel like the Rutolos exemplify that. Same with Andy Varela. So I don't know. Uh, so I'd say probably throw them on there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's it. Sweet. Cool, man. Yeah. I, love it. I love it. So uh, – Dr. Mike, before we wrap, uh, before we wrap up, um, you've gone through, you know, you open your business top of COVID, you work through it, you stay persistent, you know, call it, it's four years now later, you got your own facility, that thing's coming off the ground. So, you know, you're kind of in this, your senior year of, uh, of getting your business off the ground over the course of, uh, the past couple of years, you mentioned it that, Hey, you want to take a slow and steady kind of methodical approach. What are some of the big key learnings that, uh, that you learned going through this process? Um, let's see. Big key learnings is yeah, probably like if you can pay someone to do a job that you know is going to take a lot of time for you to figure out, it's honestly worth it to just pay someone to do it. I can't tell you how much time I've wasted trying to like learn how to like, uh, what was it like uh build a website and i'm like dude if i just paid someone to like do this like then i don't need to worry about it you know or if i can find a way to automate it so like realize like time is your most precious commodity and you got to figure out how best to allocate that you know and i would recommend if you're starting off a business like throw the time into what you're good at and outsource everything else that's not. And to me, that's going to probably get you ahead fastest. That's taken me a while to learn that. Me as someone says like, no, I want to understand the interesting. I want to understand how this table's built. Like, <laughs> it's like, dude, it's like, can I just pay someone to like do that while I can like do other things, right? You know, so it's, uh, yeah, it's been an important learning concept for me, honestly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, one other, one other quick thing. I think what's very admirable about you mm -hmm. Um. Kind of like how you said, hey, I moved to New York. I gave my mom one week's notice and I'm out, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same exact thing, right? It's, hey, yeah. I'm in New York. I meet my soon-to-be future wife. This opportunity comes up in San Diego and yeah. I'm moving to San Diego. And, hey, it's I want to get my business off the ground. It's the middle of COVID or COVID's about to start going on lockdown. I don't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> Right. Send um, it. Yeah. Send it. Let's go. Um, I love that. I think yeah. that, that is a very, very admirable quality. So if you were to give somebody advice, if somebody that's been thinking about 
doing something, whether it's something creative, whether it's starting a business, whether it's trying a new sport, whether it's changing careers, if somebody's on the kind of on the cusp of thinking about doing something, what advice would you give that person? Uh, again, back to that book, uh, book insurance, man. Like you got to know what type of individual you are and are you the type of person that needs to slowly segue into what you do? Or are you the type of person that if you're a procrastinator and like I am, uh, <laughs> you may need to just make us. We're like, all right, we can't go back. We have to go forward. And that's the only option. So, uh, yeah, if, if you're looking to make changes in your life, uh, change doesn't happen unless you make a change, right? I think it's how the phrase goes that no one's ever said, I think. <laughs> so, so like, I would say you don't, it doesn't even be done perfectly. You can just start doing something. Are you one step closer, a little bit closer to where you want to be than if you did nothing? Most likely, probably. So, you know, yeah, there's going to be multiple reiterations and yeah, you're going to get better. Like I look at the original social media content I was producing. I've been getting better and better, but you know, like uh, I'm still a work in progress, you know? Um, so it doesn't need to be perfect. You just need to take a step in the direction you want to go. And if you don't know that direction of where you want to go, it just means you got to try new shit. You gotta find a direction you want to go, right? You know, it's like try more stuff, then. So, that is awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, how do uh, how do our listeners learn more about you and 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 um, any information to your new uh, facilities you're getting uh, getting this thing launched? Uh, I can. My Instagram handle can be reached at subsending physio, um, and then on my website, I'm probably gonna revamp it, but it goodvibespptfitness.com. Uh, my old Instagram is good vibes physio. Uh, you can follow that. I will not respond though, since I don't have access. Instagram locked me out. Uh, <laughs> I lost, uh, I told you guys earlier at the beginning, um, yeah, I lost access via authenticator issue. So, um, yeah, if you need to get a hold of me, subsending physio. And, um, yeah, other than that, there's free free videos on there if you guys want like old workouts and stuff. There's still plenty of decent content. So yeah. But that's awesome. And then where's the uh where's the new space? Your facility? Uh the new facility space is gonna be in Vista. So south of the seventy eight off at Sycamore, nineteen thirty Watson Way, sweet G. Uh anyone's welcome to come through. Uh, I'd love to hang out with you guys. Uh, even if you guys just wanna do some film study. Like just sit in a room, break down, I don't know, cool grappling, wrestling, uh, Muay Thai, boxing, like whatever. I love combat sports and anything I can do to put North County back on the map. Let's do it. I love it. I love Sick. it. And then from a strength and conditioning class over at 10th Line Oceanside, what days do you typically teach? Um, are people able to come in and drop in or how does that work? Yeah. So yeah, anyone's welcome to drop on in. Um, I teach Monday, Wednesday, four to five o'clock strength and conditioning, uh, Tuesday, Thursday morning, 7.15 to 8.15. And then Saturday, I teach a 9 a.m. mobility and then a 10 a.m. strength and conditioning. So basically I'm there every day, but Fridays. Um, and yeah, swing on by. If you have any questions, concerns, just let me know. Realize training around injury is a skill set. So yeah, if, if you guys plan to continue to grapple, um, know that if you're injured, that's okay. It's part, it's part of the game. It's literally part of the game. So don't be terrified by it. It's okay. I love it. Well, cool, man. Well, listen, um, before we jump, Archie, is there anything I missed? No, that was it. Um, thanks, thanks, Mike, for taking the time and hanging out with us. Uh, learned a lot from you and so much inspiration and 
man, love the your concept with uh, you know training with an injury and all these adaptations that you're creating around it. So, um, yeah, thank you for your time for hanging out. Awesome, it's a pleasure meeting you guys today. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. With for those of you that are uh, that are listening, this is the Business Jitsu Podcast where we talk all things business, all things jujitsu. We just wrapped up an awesome episode with Dr. Michael Mitri. Uh, with Good Vibes, PT, and Fitness, also the Strength Conditioning Coach over at 10th Planet and Oceanside. Um, appreciate everybody's uh, time. Dr. Mike, appreciate you, and we'll see everybody in the next episode. Thank you, everyone. See ya. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.